Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 303 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about how we can deny ungodliness and worldly desires. Let's dive in. In the last episode, we began looking at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And I just want to read that just so it's fresh in our minds. Here's what Paul writes. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. In the last episode, we were talking about God's amazing grace. And we went through some of the manifold aspects of his grace, that, that his grace is more than just a hog. It's more than just salvation. It is the empowerment and the life, the engine, if you will, of Christianity, that we as believers are to receive the gift of God's grace, live by his grace, empowered by his grace, so that we can actually function as we ought to function as believers. And then we looked at Titus chapter two very specifically, and Paul mentions three things that God's grace is doing. One, it has appeared that it is bringing salvation to all men, meaning it's available. You're not a special case. It is available to you. And God's grace instructs, teaches, corrects, disciplines, brings correction in our lives. And I want to look at one of the aspects of what God's grace is instructing us to do. In, in verse 12, Paul says that God's grace instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. That word deny, it, it means to not accept or it means to reject or refuse something that is offered. And I find that really interesting in light of this passage. Because the world and the world philosophy and system and how it measures success, the whole sinful propensity, the selfishness of our culture, 
is literally offering us a platter saying, hey, why don't you accept what we're giving you? Why don't you accept selfishness and sin and, and just live for yourself and live in this sex-crazed stupor of our modern day? And uh, there's a lot of Christians who are like, okay, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll thank you. I will take that platter and I will live. And their lives look more like the world than they do like Jesus. But Paul says that God's grace is doing something incredible in our lives. God's grace is actually correcting and teaching us and disciplining us so that we can actually reject and not accept the things of this world. And again, we're not talking about creation. God created the world and he called it good. But we're talking about that worldly, fleshly, sinful, selfish propensity that we are born into. And Paul says that God's grace is actually doing something in your life where you don't have to live like you've always lived before, that you can actually deny, you, you can actually refuse ungodliness and worldly desires. Speaking of that verb deny, Warren Wiersbe said this, that the verb deny means that we do it once and for all. It is a settled matter. And I thought that was interesting because do you realize that to deny, though there is an ongoing process where I need to con continually and consistently deny the things of this world, that it should be a once and for all decision in our lives of that's not who I am, that I am an, I'm an entirely different person, that who I once was in my former way of living is not who I am now. And that idea shows up all over scripture, that, that, that who we once were is not who we are to be now. That there's been a radical change that God has done in our lives, and now we are born again. That we were born into a one system, but Jesus says you must be born again. That there's a brand new thing taking place in our lives. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that the old is gone and the new has come, and you are a brand new creature or creation in Christ Jesus, that there's a radical shift that has taken place. Well, what are we supposed to deny then? Paul says there are two key things that we are supposed to reject. One is ungodliness. In other words, it's anything that's not like God. Let me just give you a few passages. Romans 1.18 says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, suppre who, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Do you realize that the wrath of God is standing against all ungodliness and unrighteousness? So when I live like the world, when I think like the world, and when I reject the things of God, do you realize I'm standing in a position of judgment? That there is, that there is judgment coming on that kind of behavior. So Paul then in 2 Timothy 2.16 says this, Avoid godless and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. That when I participate in godless conversation, when I, when I participate in godless entertainment, when I participate in godless whatever, do you realize it only leads to further ungodliness? That ungodly conversation, thought processes, and behaviors never lead to godliness. They only propagate and continue ungodliness. Listen to what Jude says about this in Jude 14 through 18. He says, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds 
which they have done in an ungodly way. And then he kind of breaks that down. And then at the very end, he says this, in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. And I don't know about you, but as I look at our modern day, I'm like, if we are not in the last times, I have no idea what that would look like because we live in a time of mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. Meaning there are all these people, even in the church, which is so heartbreaking, who are just living according to their own ungodliness and their own unrighteousness and their own lust and sin. And they actually mock the people who live like Jesus. They actually mock purity. They mock holiness. They they mock righteousness. They mock the things of God. Paul says, deny that. Hey, don't, don't give into it. Reject that ungodly philosophy that comes from the world. And then he adds in that we are to reject worldly desires or passions or lusts. And let me just give you a few other passages on this too. James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully matured, it brings forth death. And it's that same word, desire or lust. And James reminds us that, hey, look, when you're tempted and you give into it, do you realize that it only leads to death? So Paul says, reject that worldly lust and that, and that desire. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says that you once formerly conducted yourselves in the lusts or the desires of the flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But listen to the emphasis again. He says, you once formally lived this way, that this isn't how you describe your life now, that you are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. So don't keep doing the same thing that you used to do in your old life, rather live by the new life in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds us in Romans 6 verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. That, that when you allow that sinful, selfish propensity that we were born with, when you allow that to have kingly authority and it reigns in your life, you will obey its desires. So don't, don't let it reign. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and crucify those sinful desires and nature within you. As he says in Romans 13, verse 14, Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Or listen to what Paul says in Galatians. He says in verse uh, chapter five, verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So if you actually want to live godly and holy and righteously in this present age, well, how do we do that? We must live by his spirit. We must live by his grace. He then says in verse 24 of chapter five, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Or Ephesians 4.22 that says, lay aside in reference to your former conduct, the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Or Colossians 3.5 Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Paul exhorts Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee these youthful desires, these youthful lusts, 
and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In other words, Timothy, don't live like the world around you. Flee those desires within you and rather pursue godliness. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Or listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away and all and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. We as believers are called not to live like the world around us, that there should be something very distinct about our lives, that we are to be marked by the life of Jesus Christ, that that, that we're, yes, in the world, but we are not of the world. In fact, I like it better stated, we may be in the world, but the world, the philosophy of the world is not to be in us, that we are to be distinct and separate and other than We are called to be saints, holy ones in the present age, that that we can actually live holy and righteously and, and godly and pure in the days in which we live. So regardless of what is going on around us, regardless of the darkness that seems like it can consume everything, do you realize that Christians, by God's grace, is actually instructed and enabled to reject and throw off ungodliness and worldly desires. And we can actually live different other than the world around us. Can I ask you, what is going on in your life that looks just like the world? What thought processes, what attitudes, what behaviors, what what is it that sets you apart? And if you think the same and watch the same stuff and read the same things and have the same philosophy then do you realize that while you may call yourself a Christian, if you look just like the world, you need to allow the Spirit of God to bring conviction in your heart because we should be distinct and different and easily recognizable in this world because we are not like the world. Would you be willing, like Psalm 139 says, and and pray the prayer, Lord, search and try my heart and see if there's any wicked way within me. Lord, would you, would you go through my heart and my mind and my attitudes and what I read and what I watch and what I think about? And Lord, if there's any philosophy, if there's any worldly, if there's, if there's any actions, if there's any attitudes that are actually ungodly, if they're actually craving the things of this wor- world, Lord, I, I, I need Jesus. And I would encourage you, if, if the Spirit of God can brings up anything in your life that doesn't look like Christ, would you repent? Would you seek his face? Would you humble yourself? And, and, and would you actually throw off all the idolatry and adultery in your life and wholeheartedly seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Would you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Personally, I am deeply encouraged that God's grace is so sufficient 
that not only has it appeared and is available, but but do you realize that God's grace is actually discipline, disciplining and correcting and instructing us that we don't have to live like the world. It is empowering us to live a godly life. That Christianity is not some pat on your head and then there's a standard that we can never live up to. Rather, God actually wants to fill our lives with himself and begin to live out his calling in and through us, that we can, in fact, live as Christians in the days in which we live. That is an incredible reality in my mind, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep living like I used to live. I don't want to have the same thought process that I had 10 years ago. I don't want to have the same actions that I had 20 years ago. I am a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I have been born again. And so whatever it is that you, you've you been telling yourself about, like, well, that's just who I am and that's just what I'm born with and that's just my personality and th- those are just my sinful habits and addictions and struggles, do you realize it doesn't have to be that way because you can be born again. Your nature can actually change. Old things can pass away. Behold, new things can come. And the very inside nature of your life can be radically, radically different. In fact, you can be conformed to the image of Christ. You can actually live by, through, and according to his life because his grace is enabling you to live it. That is an incredible reality. No wonder we call it good news. Well, I hope that's just a blessing and encouragement in your life. And I hope you'll join me next time as we look at the positive side of what God's grace is instructing us, which is that whole idea of walking sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And if you'd like to take all this stuff deeper and see a list of all of the verses I read, you can see all of that at the show notes for this episode by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash 303 for episode 303. And until next time, as we dive back into Titus chapter 2, No, I'm praying for you. I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.